This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So, um, like I said earlier, we're going to continue talking about um, redemption. And uh, for the next few weeks, my portion is going to be restoring the relationship, God's redemptive redemption plan for man. So um, as I get started, th- this teaching is going to last for a few weeks. So tonight is I'm going to kind of set the stage for what's coming in the next few weeks. So it's going to sound like I'm telling you a lot, but some of the stuff we're just going to revisit. But I need to give you a picture of it if I get to all of it. But I need to give a picture of it before we can actually get drilled down into it. So what I'm going to ask you to do is, is tonight, make, put it on your schedule. Just put it on your schedule to be here every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Because you need to get the whole story. Because you need to put it all together. You know, we're living in, um, while I'm talking, just go ahead and go to John 3. We are living in some very interesting times. And what seems sometimes to be of God, we start to find out that it's not. Um, you know, I was just thinking, you turn on the news and it's always something every day. It's always something. And, and I mean, the news, they don't have to make up stuff. You know, sometimes they have to make up breaking news. They don't have to make up stuff because it's always something. And... We look around and, and we see all these things happening in, in the world and you wonder kind of, what's really going on? And then we come in and we say, well, let, let's go to God. Let's go to God. Let's go to the church. Let's go to Christianity. I remember some more talking about that Christianity, being a Christian. And then those things that we have been told are Christianity don't necessarily seem to be there. They seem to be, it seems to be something missing. What I believe has been missing is that man, that we have taken what God has given us, his plan, and we've decided to make it something different and pass it off as his. So to restore the relationship, which is what God has always been trying to do, we have to understand what God has done. We have to understand what God has done, why he has done it. And then we can be where we need to be. We can do what we need to do. We can make the decisions that we need to make. And we can be the light of the world that we're supposed to be. So let's go to John um, chapter 3. We're going to start at verse uh, 16. Excuse me for a second. So this is a very familiar um, scripture here. We're going to go, we're going to read John 3 verse 16 through 21. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten only of the of the only begotten son of god and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for every one that doeth evil hateth the light neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved but he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. So for the next few weeks, this is Bible study. So we're going to we're going to take a look at these verses that I just read. So we look at verse 16 and it says, okay, so God so loved the world that he gave. So God the Father loved us. When we say the world, it means us. It means people. Minister Martin talked about it. It means Think about the person that you don't like the most. You don't even have to know them. Just be somebody you heard about and you don't like them. And they've done despicable, evil things. That person. God loves that person. God loves you. God loves me. God loves somebody you're never going to meet. So he loves all of us. And because he loves, he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes on him can be saved. So... 
that would have to mean that there's something. It says that so you won't perish, but you'll have eternal life. So that would have to mean that there are two things that you can have here. You can have the perishing or you can have eternal life or everlasting life. On in those verses, it talks about um, not, not condemnation. And it talks about light and it talks about dark. If you notice, it kind of, in these, in these passages, it contrasts things. It's one thing or it's the other thing. So, somehow, man got into a position where we were in some trouble. We were going to perish. There was condemnation. But then, God so loved us that he said, I don't want them to be condemned. I don't want them to perish. I want them not to perish. So, let me figure out a way to get them away from what they're in back over to a safe position. Not only a safe position, but a superior position. So, think about this. So, I was thinking about, you know, how to explain this. Because the thing about it, like I said, we, a lot of us have read this verse, we've memorized it, you see it at different concerts, events, people put it on a, on a poster board and show it, but have you really ever thought about it? So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So here's God, and he so loves, once again, the best person and the worst person and everybody in between, that he said, I'm going to give my only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. So not only are you not going to perish, but you're going to have everlasting life. So that's like taking you. So let's say you are in a pit. You are sinking in a pit. You're dirty. You're drowning. You're about to die. The thing you really want is just to get out of the pit and be on solid ground. But what God did was he took us out of the pit. He just didn't, he took us out of the pit, he cleaned us up, and then he put us in a better place. He just didn't put us on solid ground. He put us in a better position. So like when we look at this in verse uh, 16, perish, that's a final destination of ruin. Perish, there's no coming back from that. It's apart from God who is life, truth, and joy. Then you have everlasting life. So that's contrast. So everlasting, that's an eternal life. It's a new quality of life. It's a new superior life. Once you believe, remember you believe on the uh, only begotten son, then you have that eternal life. You have it as a hope. And you'll possess it forever. So the word perish and everlasting life, those things are different from most of the stuff that we think about. These things are not centered around this current age. It's not temporal. It's not passing away. It's not something that is fleeting. It's not going to change. Either you're going to have everlasting life or you're going to perish. Both of those are eternal. What we have to understand is that God the Father gave the Son. Christ is the gift. Christ is the Son. And he brings us salvation. So, God the Father is the giver. We're the recipient. Christ is the gift. The gift, it brings light, it brings freedom, and it brings life. Now, the thing about this is, we can choose to accept or reject the gift. The gift is for everyone. And it is the same gift for everybody. One person's not getting a bigger gift, and some people are getting a smaller gift. It's the same gift. But you can choose to accept or reject it. But the thing about it, remember I said with the gift, you get light, you get freedom, you get life. You're not going to have those things that the gift brings if you don't accept the gift. You're not going to get the benefits of the gift if you don't accept the gift. So, this is God's plan. This is his way of salvation, and he's not changing it. This is is how it's going to happen. We can't make it. You're not going to change it. Nobody else is going to change it. God has set it up. So my objective in this teaching is we want to provide a clear understanding of what God has done for us and what it really means to believe the gospel message so that we can make the acceptable initial and ongoing response to God. I'm going to read it again, and then I'm going to explain what I mean. 
The objective is to provide a clear understanding of what God has done for us and what it means to believe the gospel message so that we can make the acceptable, initial, and ongoing response to God. If you don't, if you don't have the right information, then your decisions are going to be skewed. So as we get through this teaching, there are a lot of things, um, and, and we're going to get hopefully some this tonight and then next week and the next week. We're going to talk about the characteristics of God. If you don't know those characteristics, if somebody's told you the wrong things, then you don't know how to believe. So your response can't be right. You can't make the acceptable response. When I say acceptable, beneficial for you. Now, based on what we talked about, perishing and everlasting life, the beneficial um, response is to accept, to believe on the Son. You want to be able to make that decision, not only initially, but you want to have that ongoing for the rest of your life. Remember, I was saying ever, everlasting life, it is a present possession, and you will possess it forever. So it's not something you're going to get rid of. So the, in salvation, it's a continual process. It's not something, you know, I make that, and this is what a lot of people do. I, I confess Jesus as my Savior, so now I'm saved and that's it. But that's not it. That's not it. So down on in those scriptures, it was talking about um, the light. And this is in verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are right, wrought in God. So you'll see there, it's talking about deeds. Not one deed, deeds. Things that you do continually. There are things that you, once you make the initial response, you have to continue to do that. Because what's going to happen is, God extends the offer of salvation to you. You, man, I, you, everybody, makes, accepts or rejects the offer. When you accept or re- reject the offer, it's think, think about it as, as a turn. So you got left and you got left and you got right. If you make a right turn, you're going one way. If you make a left turn, you're going another way. Same thing when you accept or reject the offer. But you're going to continue. Once you, once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your life doesn't stop. You continue. So you continue in Him. So you have to continue making the proper response, but you still have to have the right information. The most important thing you'll ever do in your life is respond to the gospel message. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Your response is totally your responsibility. Now, people may speak to you like right now. You're getting taught. There are things that are coming to you. God is sending his word to you. Other people may come and speak to you, tell you about God. You'll see people who are believers and they're living the gospel before your very eyes. And those things are all around you, but it is your decision. Nobody else can respond for you. And you can't respond for anybody else. No matter how much you love somebody or how much you see somebody hurting and you know, man, if they would just just restore, have their relationship restored with God, things would just change for them. Oh, and we know that. Personally, I know that for everybody. But guess what? No matter how bad I want it for you, I can't respond for you. You have to respond for yourself. It's your responsibility. When it comes down to this, it's not going to matter Who did what around you? It's just going to matter. Did you respond? Did you accept the gospel? I was thinking about this. So God, he gives the gift. I was like, I was thinking about what what a gift is. I was thinking about actually how I came to this. I was thinking about getting someone a gift. And I was like, I want to, you know, and you try to find somebody a good gift. And I said, why is it so hard? And this this is what I said a gift is. A gift is a generous gesture of love. A gift is truly, when you think about it, it is it, for God so loved the world that he gave. His love, it was his love, and out of his love came the gift. It was like, let me give this, and now 
my creation, we can have a restored fellowship. A gift is at the giver's discretion. I don't, if I'm giving someone a gift, I give it to them. I don't have to give it to them. Like, you know, like sometimes you buy somebody a gift and you get them a few different things and you look at it and you're like, man, I really would like to take that out and keep it. Y'all know y'all did it. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But it's at the giver's discretion. So God so loved the world that he gave. It was at his discretion. It was his choice. But he did it. He gave the gift, but the gift doesn't necessarily have to be received. So what does that mean? doesn't mean just because I have the gift, just because the gift has been given to me, doesn't mean I have to receive it. So a few years ago, a friend of mine sent me a birthday card. And I went to the mailbox and I took it out and I saw it, but I put it down on like the table or something. And then I put some other stuff on it. And I didn't look at it for weeks. So my birthday is in September and it was about December when I finally looked at it. And I opened it up. I know. And it was a gift card in there. And actually, and then like two days later, she was like, you know, did you get your card? What, what is going on? I said, oh, I'm so sorry. You know what? Because I didn't open the gift. She had given the gift. She knew what the gift was. She knew how I could use it. But guess what? I was sitting there letting the gift lie dormant. I put something over it. I'm, something else was more important at the time. So I put some more papers over it, probably ate some stuff on top of it. It was on the table. So it was just sitting there. It was lying dormant. So just because the gift is given doesn't mean it has to be received. And then just because you receive it doesn't, doesn't mean you use it for its intended purpose. So I got a gift card. It was to a place that I liked. But I could have said, you know what, I don't really want this. I'm just going to sell it on one of those gift card things. That was not the intended purpose for that gift. My friend gave it to me for me to go use it on, on what I would like. So just because you get the gift, you may open the gift, but that doesn't mean you use it like it's supposed to be used. So like I was thinking, I was trying to think of a good example of this. So a lot of you know I like to cook, I like to bake. If I gave some of you... um one of those really nice stand mixes with all the attachments, you probably just use it to make a cake. That's what you use it for. And then I come in and I say, well, you got this, you can make some pasta. You got this, you can put it on there, you can grind some meat. And you're like, what? I can do all that? Yeah, because you, you got to know what's in the gift. So when you get the gift, you have to use it for its intended purpose. So God gives the gift. He wants us to have salvation. A person is saved by believing and by trusting in Christ. Jesus is the light. So when you accept Jesus, you get the light. Let's go over to um, John chapter 1. So like I said, we're really just going to delve into those, those scriptures that I read, John three sixteen through 21. And it talks about the light coming in and men rejecting the light because their deeds were dark. So let's look at this. Let's, let's go. I just told you that Jesus is the light. So let's, let's figure this out. Let's make sure that what I'm talking about is really what's in here. So John chapter 1. First I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 and then I'm going to skip down to verse 10. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, in the beginning was the Word. That means when beginning began, the Word was already there. So think about it. So if you go to a place, in the, in the, like you go to a play, the play started, but you were there when it started, you were there before it started. So the Word was there. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. So that meant God was there too. Oh, but wait a minute. And the Word was God. So there it is. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So what? He made it all. Okay. So here it is in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So let's go down to verse 10. He, and this is, this is talking about the word, which was with God. The word was God. So that's who he is. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. 
So that's amazing. So he was in the world, but he made the world. But the world knew him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to him that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, the word was God. The word is God. Jesus is the word. He is life. He is light. He came into the world, but everybody didn't, didn't believe him. But there are some who received him, like in verse 12 it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. So salvation, Minister Martin talks about this, salvation is of God. It is God's plan. It is God's will. He gets salvation to us through Christ. That is the life that comes into our life. The word comes into our life and it brings us the light and we can come out of the darkness. So Christ, he put on flesh and he, he, he made everything, but he came down as a man and dwelt among us. He didn't sin. He couldn't sin because he's life. So understand that sin brought death. Where there is no sin, there is no death. So, Jesus is God. He cannot sin. Not he did not sin, he cannot sin. Like water is always going to be wet. You're never going to get dry water. Just God, you're never going to get Jesus to sin. He did not. He cannot. So, when he came, he brought the light. Now, Contrast that to us. We are men. We are human beings. We can sin. We have a sin nature. Sin is what separated us from God. When Adam sinned, I'm kind of getting ahead on my notes here, but when Adam sinned, that's when the separation started. We were separated. And God said, wait a minute, I don't want this separation. I don't want this. I never intended for this. Long before Adam's sin, though, God already made a way for us to get back to him. So if that separation, God says, I'm going to bridge that gap. I'm going to make sure that my creation, my man, my people can get back to me through my son, Jesus Christ. So God provided, I was, I was writing this and I thought this is the best way to, provide, to say it because I was thinking about me. I'm just telling you when I read this, I'm going to tell you. God provided a foolproof method. I can't mess it up. What God did, because I think about, I drop stuff. I do a lot of crazy things. But you know what? In salvation, I don't really have to do anything. All I have to do is believe. God made sure of that. He took it upon himself. He said, let me send my only begotten, and I know the job will get done. He won't leave anything hanging. God was not, is not, and will never be out of place. But we were. So we needed a way back to him. The problem, the issue in all of this is us. Us being out of place because of our sin. But... The great news about this is the relationship is restored by faith in Jesus Christ. So you may say, okay, Sister Castillo, that is so great. I'm so glad you're saying it, but I've already accepted Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. That's why I'm listening to church right now. You see, that's what saved people do. That's great. That is awesome. But remember, not only do you have to have an initial response, but you have to have an ongoing response. So you've accepted Jesus as your Lord. You believe on him. That is great. Stay with it. But are you letting the light in? When he, brings your, when he brings the word to you, when he says, okay, these are the things I'm revealing to you about you. These are things that I want you to change. I'm bringing my light into those dark places. Are you saying, nope, God, I'm sorry, I'm going to close the door right there and I'm not going to let that light in. Or are you saying, okay, God, I, I accept that. I'll, I'll change. I'll let the light in. So, 
when you accept salvation, you accepted the gift. But if you're not letting the light in, if you're not letting the word of God change you and wash you, you're not using the gift for its intended purpose. See, it's, it's more to this than just that confession. You have to continue in the word. You've got to let the light of God shine into your darkness. Don't shut out the light. So when we look at what God, like I said, what, what, what I want to do here tonight is just set some things kind of just like a setting. Just give you a setting of, of where we're going to go because there are some things that I believe we need to understand before we move on. Go over to Romans chapter 5. It's very difficult as humans for us really and truly to understand God and what he's done because it it really just transcends our mind so much because we can't God is eternal right now we're in temple so we have to use we have to say things in a way we understand what we know but we're explaining something that's bigger than what we know so when you think of the love of God we kind of understand it but I don't think we really understand it So let's go over to Romans chapter 5. We're going to read verses 6 through 11 right now. So verse 6 says, For when we were yet, uh, excuse me, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So, In verse 6 it says, when we were without strength. So, when we were without strength, that means we we could do nothing about where we were. So, we were in condemnation. Actually, let's, let's go ahead. Let's read 12 through 13. Let's finish this and then I'll finish my thought here. So, I'll start at 11 and then we'll just read through 13. So, Romans 5 verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So, here's the thing. When Adam sinned, we were in Adam. We're all men. That's how we were in Adam. And that sin nature was passed on to us. When sin came, death came, and condemnation came. So we were separated from God because God is not going to fool with us with sin. He's not going to fool with sin. Understand? And that's the best way I can say it in my East Texas vernacular. He is not going to fool with sin. He ain't going to have nothing to do with it. So when sin came, condemnation came. And there's nothing we could do about it. All, all we could do is recognize, oh my gosh, I'm in condemnation. There's nothing I can do about it. I have no strength. But God, but God, when we were without strength, when we had nothing to offer, when we were at our lowest, our dirtiest, God sent his only begotten son. So that he could pull us from that condemnation. So that he could save us. So when you think about it, think about the, think about, and you know what, like I said, this is your responsibility. So you could think about things that other people have done that you think are just horrible and despicable, but think about the things you have done. Think about the thoughts you've thought. Because I know sometimes I have a thought and I was like, that was a crazy thought. Why would I even? That don't, no, that's not me. But that thought, God saw that thought. 
He saw that horrible thought that I had, but you know what? He knew I was going to have that thought, but he still sent Jesus. He still said, you know what? I'm sending my only begotten so she doesn't have to pay for that. So you don't have to pay for that. So when I couldn't do anything, God said, that's okay. And you know the thing about it is, it's my fault. God didn't do anything. Like I said, he wasn't out of place. God is God. She's like, I'm chilling. But guess what? We were in trouble. So he said, you know what? That's my man. That's my woman. That, those are my people. I'm going to make a way back for them. The great thing about this way, and this is the thing that is perturbing me with a whole lot of stuff that's going on, the way is the same for everybody. There is not a way that people had back in, you know, 10,000 years ago. There's not a way that people have today. There's not a way that you have because you live in the United States and somebody else lives in Canada. There's not a way that you have because you were brought up in the church and somebody else didn't even have a home. It's the same way. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God is not saying, I'm going to give away for this group, this group, this group, and this group. God is a just God. So he says, here's the way. This was condemnation. You were all going over here to condemnation. Now here's the way away from condemnation. It's the same way. There should be no confusion. And that's why God did it. Because you know, I think about it. I think about when I'm reading and God reveals something to me, I say, God, thank you so much for making it that simple. Because you know, for me, I don't know about you, for me, I'm like, I couldn't understand it any other way. And God said, you know what? I give it to you simply so you can repeat it. So you can have success. That's, that's it. We, we've been hearing a lot about generational success, about righteous trends. There's no way you're going to have generational success and righteous trends unless you keep the ongoing response correct. Unless you have the right information, unless you accept the right information. It is great. You can come in. You can listen to every live stream. You can go back and look on our SoundCloud and download messages from three years ago. And you can listen to all of those. But if you are not accepting that truth and changing your life, then it doesn't matter. You're shutting out the light. You are not letting God in. And God is saying, let me in. I I don't know. I just... I keep saying it. I, I keep looking at the things going on, and you know, um, with this, with the pandemic, and all these people, they just want to get back to this and get back to this and do that and do that. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't you sit down and talk, instead of thinking about what you can't do, think about what you can do? Because what you can do is take this time when there's no other thing right now grabbing your attention and get to where God wants you to be. So many times in this. In this, I, I think about Noah. I think about Noah in the ark. Do you think Noah was there building that ark? And he was preaching to people. And he was telling people, this is what's coming. This is how you can avoid that. This ark, you know what? It never said the ark didn't have enough room for everybody. Never said it. But you know what? How many people missed, all of them missed their opportunities out Noah and his family? Because they were so busy trying to figure out something else. So right now, when you don't have any excuse, you don't have any excuse to miss the word. You don't have to drive. There's no traffic. There's barely any other activities. You have no excuse but to sit down and hear God's word. Because there's a time, let me tell you, no one was preaching to those people. But when God said, get in this ark and shut that door, that time was over. That time was over. I bet you a lot of those people were thinking just like when we missed our opportunity, I should have listened. I should have listened. Don't, don't be a shoulda. Be a I did listen. I did change. And the thing about your change, I can't make your change for you. Nobody else can make that change for you. God is giving you what you need to accomplish it. God is bringing you. He, he's, he's already made the way. Not only has he made the way, but he's giving you the grace. He's giving you this opportunity. He's giving you this door. All you got to do is get up and walk through it. That's all you have to do. And you know what? It, it, you, you making that choice, you may say, well, you just saying it because you want this and you want that. I don't, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't. All I know is what God is telling me. And God is telling me that this time will not be forever. And then you're going to look back and you're going to wonder. We've been hearing it on Sundays. If you've been, been uh, live streaming our Sunday message, something else is coming. Something else is coming. And let me tell you, just read the Bible. You know something else is coming. 
And then you, you don't want to be shut out. And you, you think that you have time, but you don't know that. You don't know what time you have. Don't miss out on this opportunity. God has given it to you. All you have to do is say, God, okay, I'll accept that. I'll take that, God, and get up and move. Listen, listen, get, get rid of all of that whatever. I mean, the pride, the false bravado, whatever it is that's going on that keeps you from moving. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit. But you know what? If you, if you want to call and what's been stopping you is because maybe you went to this ministry and you think somebody's going to answer the phone that knew you, guess what? Probably. But the thing about it is, it's your responsibility. Guess what? Just just do it. Just do it. And then after those whatever minutes you have with that person, guess what? That person's just going to pray for you. They're, they're not going to. That's not how it goes. That's not how it is. Stop letting the things that you've built up in your mind stop you from doing the will of God. But because the time, let me tell you, time is not what you think. Our pastor said it. Time was, was on your side, but it'll start being your enemy. Don't let it become your enemy. Get in there. I don't know where I am on my notes, by the way. So, yeah, we were in Romans, right? Yes. So we were in Romans, and what I was talking about, after I went on my, my, my tangent there, what I was talking about was how we were all in sin. And even though we were in sin, we had no strength. There was nothing we could do. The Father sent the Son and said, here's the way. I don't care how bad they were. I don't care what they did. I don't care about that. I'm going to provide a way back from them, for them. So let's read, um, let's read verses, um, did we read 18 and 21? I don't think we did. No. Let's read 18 through 21. Same, same uh, chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 5, 18 through 21. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men to justification. For as by one man, man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So, even though we were destined to be separated from God, we were sentenced to death, there was condemnation. God of his great love provided a way out of that condemnation. Now that the way is made, the choice is yours. So, if you really want to accept the offer, to truly accept the gift, you have to realize that you need help. That's the thing. If you're in darkness, you need to know you're in darkness. If you need help, like I was talking about earlier, that pit, if you think the pit is the place to be, and you're like, this is where everybody is, this is, where, this is what's happening, then you don't think you need help. So when, help, when the help comes, you're going to say, y'all gone, get out of here, I don't need you. So you have to realize that where you are, that you're in a wrong position, and that you need help, and that God has provided that help through Jesus Christ. So what you have to do, you acknowledge that you're in the wrong position, and then you have to say, it's, it's okay, you know, um, I think I used this example, I can't remember, it was a while ago, I was uh, in a parking lot, and this has been years ago, and I wasn't familiar with the parking lot, and I was driving down the wrong, wrong way, and I was just driving, I didn't know, driving along, and I was like, wait a minute, everything looks backwards here, well, I was driving along, I was almost at the end, I could have kept going, but I was wrong, and I knew I was wrong. But I may have understood that I was wrong, but I didn't make, I had to make the choice to change. So I could have kept driving down the wrong road and maybe somebody hit me, maybe not. Or I could turn around. The thing about it is to accept the offer, to accept the gift, I have to see that I'm wrong. I've got to acknowledge it. And then I've got to say I want to turn around. I've got to turn around and I've got to make that change. You've got to acknowledge you're wrong to yourself and you've got to acknowledge to God. That's called repentance. That's 
taking that's turning away from what you once were and turning back to God. The thing about it is God already knew where you were. Understand, you're not you're not surprising God when you say, God, I was wrong. God knew. We all have sinned. We were all in condemnation. He provided a way out. He said, yes. But you have to understand that. You have to understand that where you were. You have to make that choice and say, yes, this is it. This is where I was. I was wrong. And you have to turn from that. When you make the response, like I said earlier, the choice is yours. The decision is yours. It's your responsibility. But what we do have to understand is that we do have an adversary, the devil. He doesn't want us to make the proper choice. The thing about it is, I was reading something, and, uh, you know, when the devil started out as an angel. But guess what? He decided he was going to rebel. So another word for rebellion is sin. So when he rebelled, when he sinned, he got kicked out of heaven. He was cut off. So the devil says, wait a minute. So you go back to Adam and Eve. He said, I got cut off when I sinned, when I rebelled. What if this creation that he made, what if they sin? What's going to happen to them? What if they rebel against him? So he came in his subtle way and he did what he did. And he got Adam and Eve to sin. He was thinking, well, wait a minute. There's no way back for me. How could there be a way back for him, for them? But what he didn't know, God so loved. And he already had a plan. He said, no, no, not this one. This one, I'm going to restore that relationship. So the thing about it is, the enemy will try to present present and persuade you, but in the end, the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Understand that, no, you're not going to get, it's going to be some friction. He's not going to just let you have it. But... We said it in the confession. The devil cannot stop me. Yeah, it's going to be some friction, but anything worth having is worth the effort. Remember that. Anything worth having is worth the effort. In the end, the choice is yours. doesn't matter what's thrown at you, all that kind of stuff. The choice is yours. To make the acceptable initial and ongoing response, there's some things you need to know. You need to go know who God is. And to describe who God is is inexhaustible. I could stand here for the rest of my life and never finish it. But you do have to have a working knowledge of his character. What he's doing, what he's not doing. What he's done for you. And the things that he's done, like I I was reading, all that God did, he sent Christ. But do you believe he sent him for you? Or do you just believe he sent him for some people? See, that, that, that's a clarification. You've got to understand that. If you don't think that God the Father sent the Son on your behalf for you, then you can't accept this message. You can think it's a good message, but you can't live it because you don't think it's for you. We have to understand what God has done, what, who he's done it for, how he's accomplished it, and how do I choose to accept what he's done. God is going to be God. He's going to fulfill his plan. God's not going to change. So those are some things that you you can say. God is not going to change. So guess what? God is not going to change, so I have to. He's not going to compromise. So, like I said, he he has a way of salvation. He's not going to compromise that way of salvation just because we have the Internet now. You know, and they didn't have the internet 40 years ago, so they had to be saved that way. No. And whatever happens 50 years from now, huh, God, the way of salvation is going to be the same. And, and because of that, we can say God is not going to be unfair. If he changed things up, then we can say, well, maybe he was a little unfair with this group and that group. But no, no, he's not. He's not going to be unjust. We have to understand this right here. God is the creator and we're the creature. Okay? And you know, that seems so simple when I say that. You're like, well, Sister Castillo, you will come up here and tell me that I could have been. No. We're going to delve into it and we're going to see how sometimes we get it mixed up. God is the creator, we're the creature. He's not looking for us. He's not coming to us and saying, you know, I, I have salvation, but what do you think? 
you got any process improvements for me? How can we make this better? Or, you know, I was thinking, should we change this? Should we make the gospel this? Should we put it this? That's not what God is doing. And I know you're sitting there, you're like, now that, that just sounds silly. It does sound silly, but guess what? We do it. We do it all the time. <laughs> you're going to see it. We can't say that salvation comes by any other means but through Christ. We can't take our standard or a man's standard and pass it off as God in our words or our actions. So what does that mean? That means that I can't act like my lifestyle means is the way to salvation. So, okay, let's get on into it. That means that if somebody... Maybe, maybe you go to a church that's been established, a ministry that's been established for 200 years, you got a big cathedral. And that's what you, that's salvation. But, you got other people that haven't been established as long, they're in the storefront. That's, that's, that's not how salvation comes. But you know what? A lot of people will say, well, wait, that doesn't look like what I knew. But that's not salvation. You can't say because I I send my children to a Christian private school, then I'm saved. And anybody who doesn't do that, they're not saved. Or maybe they can be saved, but it's going to take a whole lot of work for them because they go to that school. Or they live in that neighborhood. Or maybe they grew up in that type of family. That's what, we don't say it. We don't say those things. We don't say those things, but this is, this is what it comes off as. You know, you're talking about people who, when you're with people who are like you. You're saying, oh, God loves us, and da, 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 and they bring up somebody who's not like you, or someone who's not like you, or you don't think in your group comes in. Oh, well, God did it for them too. That's an afterthought. God didn't do it for them too. He did it for all of us. Just because you, Just because you vote for a particular party or a particular person, that doesn't make you saved or unsaved. You know, I I see it so much now. It's like you want somehow, I don't know, and I I just, I try not to think about it too much because it irritates me. Are you trying to prove your salvation by your vote? Are you saying, I'm more saved than you because I did or did not vote for this person? The last time I checked, and I've been reading this, I've been studying this for months, actually years. I hadn't seen nothing about voting in this Bible, about coming to salvation through voting. Oh, well, how could a person who protests be a believer? How could you be a believer if you believe this is right and you don't do this? If you don't stand for the pledge or you don't... What? Wait a minute. Hold on. Just a minute. Okay, everything I just said, that is all man-made. Your schools, your neighborhoods, your groups, your Facebook groups, your your Pinterest groups, whatever you have. All that's man-made. A pledge of allegiance, a flag, um, the the, the type of building you come to assemble in. That is all man-made. And what we have done is we have taken those things and we have put it up here and we have said, this is salvation. Oh, Jesus, that's great. Jesus is all loving and knowing. And he's going to give me a car and he's going to give my friend a husband. And then he's going to beat that person up because they were mean to me at H-E-B. That's, what we, that's how we act. But what Jesus actually did, we put it everywhere else. And then you say you don't think you're the creator. Because now you stepped into a position and you said, I'm determining who gets salvation my way. That is not how it works. When we make the standard of man the standard of God, we start to worship the, creator, the creature instead of the creator. Let's go over to Romans chapter 1. Just keep listening. I know you might want to turn me off, but it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Romans 1, we're going to read verses 18 through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it, showed it unto them. 
for the invisible things from him of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse because that when they knew god they glorified him not as god neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible god into an image made like to corruptible man into birds into four-footed beasts and creeping things wherefore god also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of god into a lie and worshiped and served the creature creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen so what this scripture here is saying is that the wrath of God is going to be revealed against unrighteousness. And God has revealed himself to man throughout all ages. He's manifested himself. He's shown himself to be who he is to man. But what man has done is they said, uh, you know what, I want to exalt myself. I want to do what I want to do. And so they glorified him not. And they started walking towards darkness. When you walk away from God... God is light. When you turn from God, there's darkness. So they didn't turn around. They kept going. And then I like that vain imagination. One, one thing I think they just said, they started thinking about crazy stuff. And they kept on. And now they changed the image of the uncorruptible God. That which should have been worship, God, they worship that which was perishing. And that which is temporal, themselves. So... I can't take man's wisdom and put it in a place where God's wisdom should be. I can't replace the standard of God with man's standard. So I can't worship the creature instead of the creator. So when you take the standard of this world and you say this is what I am living my life by, then you're worshiping the creature more than the creator. So, there are some things in your life that you can't imagine changing. You can't imagine maybe some people not being in your life. You can't imagine doing things a different way. When that comes in, you're like, well, wait a minute. You want me to change this? You want me to do that? There's some activities. There's some attitudes that you're just like, no, I've been this way my whole life. I can't change. And you know what? You'll hear stuff and you'll say, well, it sounds good, but I don't necessarily want to change because on the other side of the change, there's an unknown. There's a fear. So you don't act, but that's really, your, your inaction is really an action. You're shutting the light out. What we have to understand is that this world system its arrangement, the social classes, the economic systems, the government, these things that are temporal, they're not gods. They have changed and they will change. If you go back and study history, it's all sorts of stuff that has happened and it all changes. But we get so caught up in it that we will place it above God. We will start worshiping that. What, what does that mean when I say worship that? So let's say that you do believe... Um, Okay, let's say you believe that if you don't speak, okay, if you don't, if you don't live in the United States, you can't be a Christian, right? You, you cannot be a Christian. So somebody comes to you and um, you happen up on them and they don't live in the United States. And you're like, well, I was going to preach the gospel to them, but I didn't, they don't live in the United States. Because they can't be a Christian. So you are worshiping a created idea. Instead of the creature, uh, instead of the creator. When I mean worship, it means to bow down to. So there are thoughts, there are things that we have built up that are not godly, that are not Christ in our mind, and we bow down to those things. We allow those things to rule our life. 
there's a decision. You, okay, I'll back to, back to. Let's say you, you don't. You feel like you're going to be embarrassed if you call. It's a decision. It's something in your mind that you're saying, I don't want to call because X, Y, and Z. So now, what I, my decision, I'm now bowing down my decision to that thought in my mind. That is not God. That's what it means to worship. It means whatever you worship, that's what's going to control your actions. Think about it like this. What you worship is what gives you permission to do something. So if you worship your job and your job says be here at this time and this time, you're going to ask your job. Well, I, you may not necessarily ask, ask them. You may not say, oh, can I do this? No, you're just going to check your schedule and everything else is going to fall by the wayside. If, if you're worried about your, your social life, your, your dating life, guess what? That's what you're worshiping. You're, everything else is going to fall by the wayside. No, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that because I don't know if there are any guys or any girls that would like me. So you're worshiping that. Whatever whatever has the last say, that's what you're worshiping. So guess what? No, if, if it's not God, it's a creature. And you're not worshiping the creator. Let's go over to um, Matthew chapter 6. Once again, we have to realize that that we're wrong. If you can't realize that you're wrong, then you're never going to be able to get right because you don't know, know you need to change. Like when I was driving down the, the wrong, wrong side of the road. If I had never seen the stuff, if I had never seen the signs, I would have never known I was wrong. I would have known I need to change. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 22 and, and 23 here. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So if you think that darkness is light, like there's nothing wrong with the way I'm thinking. God, God comes in, the word comes in and it convicts you. And it tells you that, hey, that's wrong. And we're going to talk about, later on, we're going to talk about the difference between conviction and condemnation. But here, here's just a quick snippet of what conviction is. You heard something tonight, or you heard something in one of the teachings, and your heart was like, oh, wait, that's me. Or like there was something that you said, and the exact thing that you said was, was said again. And that person doesn't know you, and you're like, oh, and it just keeps coming up in your mind. And you're like, well, I need to do something about that. And you get a little antsy and you're like, your insides, made for me, like, like my insides get a little hot. And I look around like, uh, is everybody looking at me? Conviction. The great thing about conviction is conviction, call it a decision point. Um, you get to do something at that point. Um, it's like an action item. You know, at work we get action items. You go to a meeting, they give you. That means you got to do something. You do something with the conviction. With the conviction, you have two choices. The conviction. Think of the conviction. The word of God comes in. Guess what the word of God is? That's the light. The light comes into a dark place, and it says, "Whoa, here's a dark place. I want to bring the light. I want to bring the life." And at that conviction, you're like, okay, think about when you wake up or when it's dark and somebody turns on the light and you're like, oh, wait, oh, stop, it's so bright. But you can flip the light back off and stay in darkness or you can just allow yourself to get used to it and accept that light. That's conviction. Now, you want to accept the light. Remember I said we're going to do an accept, we want an accept, uh, acceptable, a beneficial response initially and ongoing. So when conviction comes, Accept the conviction. Listen, if it makes you feel any better, we've all been convicted. I just told you how I felt when I get convicted. I got convicted Sunday. What, what you talking about? This, it, it, it's going to come because guess what? I have a relationship with God. And he wants to renew me. He wants me to be different than I was before. So there are some things that i got to change because guess what? He's not. So when the light comes in, when the light comes into that darkness, once again, we were all in darkness. You just have to accept the light. 
When the light comes in, don't push it out. Don't close it out. Don't let those things that you think, that you've built up in your mind, and we're going to talk about this more next week because I'm just about out of time. Don't let those things that you've built up in your mind stop you. Stop worshiping those things and worship God. He's giving you the opportunity right now. He's saying, hey, I love you. I gave my son for you. I'm, this door is open. All you got to do is make the step. All you got to do is make the first step. He's done all the work. Listen, remember, we were, were without strength. And he gave. He did. And now we need to receive the gift that he's given us. Amen. And I am out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.